back in the day, like years and years ago, I had a survival Instagram page and I sold okay. a survival product to the people who followed that page. So I bought a page with like 50,000 followers. I posted on it and I would promote to the followers like a whole like website selling survival tools on a Shopify store. And like mm. they're pretty high ticket. They're like 50, 60 bucks average purchase. So like that store did it was it wasn't nearly as explosive because I wasn't running paid ads, but it was all profit since I didn't spend anything on marketing. I was the marketing, so it ended up making decent money um, over over a period of time. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Chris's Secret Podcast. I am impressed that you found it. On this episode, we are talking to Will, aka The Financial Wolf. Second time he's ever been on this podcast. So if you haven't seen the first time he was on, make sure you go back and check it out. It was a great conversation. We talk about why Will decided to sell his Toro cars, his plans to purchase his first ever rental property. Also, he talks about his completely free coaching course that he's doing for all of his subscribers where you can learn how to do e-commerce and drop shipping completely for free. And then we also talk about his latest video series where he's testing illegal dark web money hacks. So if you have not seen those videos, as soon as you're done here, make sure you jump over to Will's channel and check out those videos. They're freaking crazy. He's buying counterfeit money and lost PayPal accounts. He's also buying people's Netflix accounts and coaching courses on how to counterfeit credit cards. It's a crazy video series. You'll definitely want to check it out. And make sure you stay till the end of the interview where Will discloses how much money he makes off of his YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. So now, without further ado, I present to you Will, aka The Financial Wolf. All right. The Wolf is in the building. How's it going, Will? Good. Am I the first recurring guest? I think you uh, actually are. Yeah, I think you're my, you're my first uh, repeat visitor, so I appreciate you uh, coming back on for, a, uh, for another episode. We got... We got a few things that have changed since uh, the last time you've been on. You obviously sold, I think, all of your Turo cars. You're planning to purchase property. You have a completely free course on e-commerce and drop shipping. And maybe my personal favorite new update from you since the last time we talked is you're now a criminal. So I'm super excited to talk to you. I, well, <laughs> slightly joking about that, but your freaking dark web video was probably the most epic video I've ever seen you drop. Like that thing was so much fun. If you haven't seen Will's latest video, he's basically testing illegal dark web money hacks. So he does uh, like he freaking buys counterfeit money. He buys a lost PayPal account. You figure out how to like, you literally buy a coaching course, a done for you coaching course on how to make credit cards. Uh, and then you even interviewed some like total sketchball dude. So anyways, I'm excited to have on the wolf with all your big updates. So what's going on, brother? It's going good, dude. Yeah, that video is absolutely crushing it right now. Like it's at like 260,000 views in like two weeks, which is pretty insane. I think it could hit a million views. So we'll see 
I am a little bit worried sometimes. Like, now I'd be, like, refreshing my channel, hoping it doesn't get taken down. Like, I'm sketched, like, all the time now. So, like, I, I click on my channel. I'm like, please be up. Please still be up. Please still be up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, is that something they could take down your whole channel over? I don't think they take down my whole channel. They might take down the video. Um, The only thing is, like, I've seen people get banned off YouTube for honestly less. Like, Steve Will Do It got banned for promoting gambling. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's a weird, it's a I weird mean, thing. I don't feel like you were promoting anything. Like, you were just showing. Like, it was just like an educational, entertaining video. Dude, I thought it was... I thought it was sick. I, I was even telling you, I'd shown it to like multiple friends of mine. Thank I was you. like, dude, this is like one of the craziest videos I think dude, I've ever I'm actually, seen. I'm doing a part two. That should be coming out in a few days. So that's, really? that's exciting. I did a whole part two. I've been working on it for a while. It's pretty similar to the original. Um, but yeah, I ordered a few more things that I thought might work. Like I ordered a Netflix account off the dark web. I ordered like, oh, what else did I order? Um, I tried the PayPal account thing again and it ended up just being a guide on how to steal people's money on paypal um there was like a bunch of things i ordered i ordered uh fake euros which I, those came in and i'm not gonna lie they weren't the best quality like the dollars that came in that i ordered last time were way better quality so that and then i ordered a few things that also didn't come in again but oh really just videos. never even showed up yeah yeah it's it's kind of sketchy with the dark web but on these new websites i'm using you can like the money gets held by the the website so you can like file for a refund and stuff it's like mm. ebay but for the dark yeah, web yeah it's literally ebay but uh but dark web that's hilarious what, like what gave you the idea to do a dark web series so my friend ethan did a did a video called um like buying insider stock tips off the dark web so he did a video buying stuff on the dark web and he's like dude you should do like just buying like random stuff. Cause he's telling me like, bro, I'm finding like rocket launchers, like a bunch of crazy stuff on there. Like you should just do a video buying stuff off the dark web and just like <laughs> see what happens. I was like, I'm down. And like, I didn't really think too much of it after I dropped the video. I was like, oh, it might do decent. And it ended up just blowing up like a week after I dropped it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely one of like the more entertaining and also educational. Cause I feel like Every video, not that I've seen or watched really anything on the dark web, um, but the very little that I've ever learned about the dark web, there's like really no information. It's like, you can die, you can yeah. buy drugs and people will kill you and that's it. And I thought yours was good because you were actually explaining the dark web, how yeah. you can, I mean, I don't want to say safely use it, but like how you can kind of like just both sides of the coin where it's like, yeah. hey, this is why it's here. This is how you can use it. You shouldn't use it, um, but also keep it like because i thought it was crazy like you're over here like getting fake money and then you're looking up how much fake money is like in the like federal or like in circulation is like 0. Yeah. 0.001 it's like all right well now that we can see how simple it is like people should probably keep an eye out more so for like counterfeit yeah. money their stolen netflix accounts like you're saying they're stolen paypal accounts so i thought it was cool i thought it was like a really clever Dude, idea good video it was it was cool and for the part two i found a podcast with this one guy who went to jail for five years starting a I didn't like interview him or anything but I found like a podcast with clips of it of this dude and he basically made like a few million dollars selling fake drug like not fake drugs but like fentanyl pills on the dark web no way what is fentanyl the stuff that, like kills people though yeah but th the thing is apparently people like do that do it by choice so like he didn't like lie and say they were like real pills he told people that it had fentanyl in it and he still made like a bunch of money selling them how much did he make dude like a few like he said he didn't say exactly obviously 
but yeah. he said he had oh, like one time he got scammed and he lost over a million dollars in an exchange. So like I know for a fact he was making racks, like at least a few million dollars in total. But he ended up getting five years in prison and a fifty thousand dollar fine. Jesus. Wait, and so on the one that you just did, you obviously went and met with a freaking dark web guy. How did you meet this dude? I knew him a bit personally. He's kind of like a friend of a friend. Like I'd known he'd used, he's not like a kingpin on the dark web or anything in the first video. That guy just, honestly, he bought like some stuff on the dark web in the past. So like I knew him from someone else and I basically just had him wear the mask, even though I knew him personally before that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew him from college. Like he's kind of like, he made money like a small time on the dark web, you know? Really? Can you share like what he did to make money? Uh, I don't think he, he probably won't see this. So, um, he didn't want to share too much in the video, but basically he's like bought drugs and like sold them like just like, but nothing like insane. Like he just bought like a few like drugs a couple times. Like one time he bought, um, like research chemicals on the dark web. Um, like just random stuff. His friends told me about the Netflix account thing. So like I learned a lot and he also told me about like how to know if a, le- a dark website is like legit or like a phishing site where it's like a fake yeah. site. So he knew like a lot about it. He also knew like a lot of security stuff about it. So yeah. It yeah, was, I thought that was yeah. interesting that you can go on there and like look up if it's a probably legit site or not. I thought that was like actually pretty clever and yeah. something I guess I never really thought about worrying about because I never go on the dark web. So I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense though. If you're gonna be buying a bunch of illegal stuff, don't. Yeah, I would get say scammed. most of it. Most of the dark web is honestly drugs, but um, you can yeah. make money off of like the bank account stuff, the other stuff. So yeah, I thought that was a lot more interesting, like the financial crime aspect. Because I always say like, if you're gonna risk going to jail, you might as well get rich. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not worth like breaking the law for like. Not something that doesn't make you rich. Yeah, for sure. Wait, it was, it was like scary to meet the dude or had you met him before? So it wasn't that sketchy. I had met him before. Like I, I'd met him before from uh, from another friend. So, uh, okay. so yeah, but I, I didn't know him super well. But yeah. I, I mean, he was down to do it. He was a little bit paranoid the whole time. Like he really? wanted to make sure that nothing like came out or whatever. Yeah. Well, I can also just clip out everything that we just no, about. No, no, we're good. That's you fine. Think? Yeah, yeah. His identity is fully disclosed. No one knows who he is. People were even saying that it was me. That I dressed it up kind of did. Myself in. It kind of did. Like for a little bit, it almost looked like you. Or it was. It was kind of funny. I was like, "Wait, did Will just dress up as like <laughs> as another dude?" But then there was like too many shots where y'all were like overlapping. I was like, ah, "I've been a pain in the." Butt That'd be a lot of that. editing. But yeah, you, I was like, "That's too much editing." It is possible to do that, but I'll tell you guys, it was a real person. The stories were real, so that's all yeah. I'll say. It was legit. That was legit. Have you ever heard of uh, the story of the the Ross Ulbrich, the like um, Dread Pirate Roberts guy that no. got arrested for the Silk Road? Oh, I heard about the Silk Road, but I've never heard about the whole thing. Yeah, dude, it's kind of crazy. So he basically was like the mastermind behind the black market website, the Silk Road. And so essentially like think of Amazon, but for like buying drugs, weapons, <laughs> like yeah. uh, human trafficking, just like crazy shit. And so it was a billion, literally a billion dollar operation where he had over a billion dollars in sales. And so this Albrich guy was getting like a transactional fee for every single sale that would go through the website. Damn. So he was making millions of dollars and it took like the fbi like over two years to track the dude down they were like tracking his ip address analyzing uh like the site code the freaking looking at his social media sites wiretapping doing 
physical surveillance on this guy. Um, and then finally, when they had like enough evidence to arrest him, uh, they ended up tracking him down to a library. All right. And so he's hanging out in the library. They're like looking at him through the window like he's like on his laptop, uh, like typing away. And they needed the laptop because if they didn't have the laptop, they didn't really have any evidence on the dude because he was like super smart on how he would maneuver through all these things so they go into the library they have this one lady she's like five foot nothing she sits down across from him at the library and she's like reading a book then another fbi agent uh a a guy and a girl walk behind the the kingpin guy and the fbi agent punches the other fbi the chick punches the dude in the face and starts screaming at him so this rust the rust dude's like well what the What's, what the hell is going on? As soon as he turns around, the FBI agent that's reading the book grabs the laptop, and then they just handcuff him right on the spot, ends up going to jail. He's in jail for life because of this. Damn. Yes, dude. That crazy. Sucks. Yeah, just getting wrecked. But I mean, also, life? Yeah, for life. For, life. For, for making the Silk Road website. Yeah, and well, what's also crazy is the way that they basically got him to like admit that he was – doing illegal shit is that they convinced so it was an fbi dude that they got he got like hired by him all right so he was like kind of like a employee contractor of him and started telling him that other employees were stealing his money and his like information and trying to rat him out so the fbi agent that was like a fake employee convinced the 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 whatever his name was the the dread pirate roberts guy to send out a hitman to kill this fake employee that was stealing his data so they he sent him like i think it was like eighty thousand dollars in bitcoin to kill a dude so they faked killed a dude then they like i guess they didn't have enough like information on the guy yet or didn't have enough like whatever data or or evidence so then they made him do it again so they convinced him that another employee was stealing information they then had another fake hitman go out and they they took like $150,000 for the second kill and then they had like all the evidence to arrest him but then the other funny part is that from at least from my memory the FBI never said what they did with that money or those bitcoins they're just evaporated that's so insane because like bro bro he just sent someone a hundred grand like for nothing like like i feel like you'd want to verify that dude dude must have been making just stupid money at that oh i think he was making buku bucks and also it's funny too because he kind of has like i mean obviously he's running a multi-million he's running a billion dollar company Mm -hmm. and uh he has like a lot of the same traits as like an elon musk jeff bezos type where he was like living with a bunch of roommates in like a small little bedroom just be working all day never leaving his house he like went and lived with his parents for a little bit because no one knew that he was loaded yeah and so he's over here running a multi multi-million dollar he's a multi-millionaire yet he's like living like all frugal in like these little like crowded roommate situations just hilarious and then gets gets brought down by the fam that's the thing. They're going to be looking for you, especially once you make a lot of money. It's just about getting out before that happens. But, like, most <laughs> yeah. criminals can't do that. Like, they make a million, and then they're like, bro, let's make two million. Let's make another million. million. Yeah, and then, like... yeah, then you just get caught. But I will say, like, the work ethic it takes to even, like, succeed in an illegal business, you might as well just do something legal. Like, I don't know. Or just something I... borderline shady. Like, I think there's a lot of shady things you can do to make money that aren't necessarily illegal. I don't know. Like, oh, well, I agree. Like it's, 
Yeah, you could just do something that's not. Yeah, because that one's just like obviously illegal. Like yeah. it's just it's just so illegal. Now I will say, in his defense, the reason he started it is he was like just a hardcore like libertarian, like through and through. He's like, mm-hmm. I hate the government. I don't want to do anything with the government. Like it should be a free marketplace where people can sell whatever they want. So I think originally, or I don't think I know originally, he set it up to sell like drugs was like the original kind of mm-hmm. use of the marketplace, which bad, but not hitman bad. So it's not that bad. yeah, hitman, yeah, like sending hitman on people is like ooh. <laughs> yeah, and like sex trafficking, like that. That's bad. But so like originally he was just like, look, like. I'll let you sell whatever you want. I don't care if you're going to sell freaking whatever, some like an, an iPhone or drugs, or if you're going to sell, you know, whatever. But then people started abusing it and were like selling guns and selling like people's identity and all this other crazy crap. Yeah. Um, so it's, I would say like slightly good intentions and then yeah. it just spiraled out of control. But like, it, but I will say in his defense again, is that he did, technically like originally he was like i'll let anything slide and then like people were hiring hitmen and like sex slaves and stuff and he was like all right that's not allowed that's not so then he started to actually put Mm. like parameters on the community which is cool it's like he kind of shows you that you can't let humans are just ruthless creatures so (laughs) to some extent like libertarianism is like pretty dope but i think like obviously to some extent you have to have some sort of rules like do you think all drugs should be legal or no Hmm. I tech I do think that all drugs should be legal. Yeah. I think but I think also kind of counter to like a libertarian's view, I think that all drugs should be legal in a kind of like safe environment where it's kind of yeah. like you go to the doctor and they prescribe you and let's be real doctors prescribe you all sorts of drugs that you shouldn't be taking. Fair but enough, 100%. If, it, yeah, so my thought is that you would go to the doctor, you would get prescribed or not even prescribe. You're like, hey, yo, I want to take LSD. I want to take heroin. I want to take cocaine. I want to take whatever it is. And then there's like, all right, cool. And if I, you probably would have a threshold where it's like, yeah. all right, if it's weed, yeah, here you can walk out the front door with it. If it's shrooms, yeah, you walk out the front door with it. But if it's like something more extreme, it's like, yeah, all right, cool. Take your heroin. Sit right mm-hmm. here. They'll give you. It's you know, it's not going to be laced with anything. Yeah. They can take it under the supervision of a nurse. Uh, I don't Narcan. They give you Narcan or whatever. So if you OD, you can like figure yeah. it out. Yeah. 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 Except apparently it's really crazy. Cause if like you come back from an OD, apparently they're like super pissed and want to like, yeah, cause they like kills their high or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like, How dare you mess up my highs? Like, bro, you're alive. You're welcome. Dude. That's um, insane to me. But like, I think it's like, like drug overdoses have been like rising rapidly throughout like the last few years. So like, I feel like something technically should be done. And it's mostly because, like, they're laced or you're not getting what you think you are and, yeah. like, all that stuff. So, like, I don't know. Like, And it's, like, people are always going to do drugs anyway. And, like, technically, in my opinion, doing drugs isn't – like, I don't find that a crime technically. Like, are you technically hurting anyone but yourself? I mean, maybe if you do something on the drugs. But, like, I don't know. It's a weird – it's yeah. a weird one. Uh, and I, I would know. agree, yeah. Is You're not – as you're saying, you're not t- – Doing anything to harm anybody directly, yeah. unless because of the drugs, like it was bath salt, where people were like running around eating. Yeah, like if faces. you do that, I think you should go to jail. But like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but like, once again, I don't think you should go to jail because you took bath yeah. salts. You should go to jail because you, you did some crazy bit someone's shit. face off. Like, yeah. right, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's like it's it's a hard subject though, because then you look at like L.A. and you look at like Colorado, Portland. and it's like they let all these drugs become legal and the cities are kind of way worse. Yeah, yeah. Going down pretty, pretty dramatically. So 
I don't know. I can see both sides, but I feel like if you have a safe environment to do it, yeah, like it's at least like look, they're gonna do it either way, and I think it's better than yeah, sending them to jail. Like it's 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 an addiction. It's a like a medical issue. It's not a you're a terrible person. You should be locked yeah. up for life issue, in my opinion. I'd no. also argue like those cities like L.A. or Colorado, like they were probably having those issues way before they legalized it. It might have made it worse, but like I think also like they already had like a bunch of crazy crackhead people. That's yeah, why they, like, I mean, definitely, definitely L.A. Yeah. Like that's oh, that's yeah. obvious. I don't really know what Colorado was like pre weed because I've never been out there until post weed <laughs> yeah. was legal. And it was, I went out there probably freaking I don't know, maybe five, six years after weed was legal, which is kind of crazy that it's been that it's been a long, long time. Now. Like yeah. it's kind of been there for a while, but um, yeah. So, anyways, long story short, I thought the video was was pretty freaking sick. Yeah, it was um, good. One, I think I'm excited yeah, no, for part two. Yeah, no. Have you ever have you ever done anything? Well, I guess obviously you said you bought some things that never arrived. Any like crazy scams that either dark web or non dark web related that you've ever had to deal with, like trying to do building the uh, the the YouTube empire. Um, dark web, obviously I, I've definitely gotten scammed on some stuff. Like I sent Bitcoin to people that, and the stuff never came in stuff like that. I probably lost a couple hundred bucks trying to make those last two videos. Definitely made more than that off the videos. So that's good. I'm chilling. No, no worries on that. I'm not tripping about that. As for scams in general, like I've definitely experienced that. Like I would say for sure. Um, when I like, for example, I used to flip phones, like buy and sell phones. Like I've had people like run off with phones when I try to sell them to them like one time I was selling a phone to a kid he texted me beforehand like oh is the iCloud removed I was like oh let me make sure it's removed before I meet you and then when I meet up with him he like the second I turn my back bro runs away with the phone no like on foot uh. <laughs> another did kid you catch him did you did you chase him down uh I didn't I didn't mm, I'm yeah. stupid I mean, dude, I'll, dude, actually, yeah, now that I think of it, I, I watched one of your, I think it was on one of your videos, or maybe it was like your story yeah. or something, where some dude was trying to steal your iPhone, and you just ripped it out of his hand. I was like, oh, that was the bro. second time. I, yeah, I was, like, the, I, I was the so goat? sus. Yeah, dude, I was so <laughs> sus at that guy, because the second guy, like, I had learned from the first time to, like, yeah. always be sketchy, and, like, the dude was so weird. Like, he didn't ask any questions about the phone. He asked, he just pulled up. And like refused to get out of his car. I was like, dude, I'm not gonna let you look at the phone unless you get out of your car because I knew he was gonna drive off. He's oh, like, so he was trying to get you to give it to him through the window, and then drive off with it, stuff like that. And dude, he he tried to pull it, and I was prepared. I like reached into his car, grabbed it. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's so. Oh, dude, I, you know it's a crazy one that I'd never heard of until I was selling my car. Was and I don't know because you just sold your cars, which we'll get yeah. into in a second. But I was trying to sell my my uh, Highlander, and so I listed on you know Craigslist, Facebook, Auto Trader, like all the all the sites that you can go and try and do like private party sales. And dude, I was getting blown up by people like, hey man, like love the car, like and and they would have like a long conversation where they kind of be wasting my time. We're like, hey man, like what year is it? How many miles you got on it? Like how are you typically driving? I'd be like answering all the questions like, all right, cool. Yeah. I think I want to come and like test drive it tomorrow. Are you available at this time? And like, we go back and forth and finally we get, and he's like, oh cool. Hey, before, before I come over, can you send me the, they would like, it would be like car guru reports. And I'd be like, what? Like you're talking about the car facts. Like, no, the, the, the car guru reports factors. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. Like I have the car facts. I'm going to send it to you. And yeah. they'd be like, no, I got, I got like bad data off of the Carfax one time, so I, I only trust this website. Can you just 
like order one of the reports for me and then we can meet up tomorrow to do the test drive. So I like go on the website. I'm looking I'm like, yo, this website looks super suspect. Like what is going on? So then I thankfully I never ordered it, but I ended up Googling. I was like, Hey, what is this website? And it's like one of the, like the top things that whoever's in charge of taking down scammer people like the, the government, whoever's in charge is like, do not, do not, do not fall for these uh, car scammers. So Anyways, yeah, Damn, I have like a million because they steal your texts. credit card information when you buy it, probably. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you have to – because I went to it, and I clicked on, like, order a report, and it was like, put in your credit card information. I was like, there's zero percent. But it was honestly a pretty legit website. Like, if if I wasn't suspect in the beginning, I would have uh, I would have probably just, like, dodged it. But um, Damn. Yeah, so anyways, I, did you have anything like that? I had no pers- – dude, I listed the CRV, and the same day someone hit me up to buy it. That's crazy. But you were listening like below KBB, right? Or like kind of like on the low end of the range. I was because the car had like some damage from just like renters and shit. So I was like, dude, like this, like to be honest, if I were to fix like the the repairs it needed, it would probably would have cost a couple grand just because, you know, it's expensive. It needs body work. It's not big issues, but like it is things that would lower the value. I probably could have sold it for more. I really think I could have, but. I mean, I made money on that car. I made yeah. Money on the CRV. Wait, and so you sold the CRV, and then you do you have any Turo cars left right now? No, I don't. I don't have any cars left. Dang. So, what made you decide to get out of the Turo biz? Uh, well, mostly because I was trying to get into real estate, and I thought I thought I could probably do both. First of all, I was kind of getting sick of Turo. Like, I hated messaging the guests. Like, I just. I started, I loved it at first, and then it slowly just became a pain in my butt, like waking up and they're asking me like stupid questions that I just don't feel like answering. And I just became a worse host over time. Like I kind of lost a passion for it. And I didn't like taking phone calls, like doing customer support while I'm trying to work on my actual businesses. Like Turo was always just a side thing. So um, that kind of became a pain. And I was getting into real estate or wanting to get into real estate. And I got hit with like a thirty thousand dollar tax bill, and like I I knew I was gonna pay like probably like twenty, but I wasn't expecting to pay that much. Yeah, and that kind of ate into a lot of the money I wanted to put as a down payment. So yeah. I was like, screw it, let me sell the cars. Like they haven't depreciated too much, yeah. so let me just get rid of them and take that cash and put it into a house. So now I got the cash. And we're looking at properties. <laughs> yeah, sick. Now, would you recommend, like, I guess overall thoughts on Turo, like, would you recommend it to somebody as a side hustle? I would. I would. I would for sure recommend it. Um, but the only thing I'd say is if you're not mechanically, like, like gifted or anything, it's kind of tough to do Turo. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It is. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like real estate too, where it's if, if like for me, cause I self-manage all my properties. And so if, if you're willing to manage it yourself, if you're willing to fix the toilets yourself, if you're willing to go over and unclog pipes and stuff, it can be very profitable. But like you're saying, if, if you don't have time or don't want to, or don't have the energy to do that stuff on the Turo cars, it does eat into the profits a lot, which sucks. Yeah. And you can do things like, you know, what Aaron's doing with car management you're going to get a decent return with that, but it's, it's tougher. Like you're not going to get an insane return off of, off of like hiring a management company to manage your cars. It eats into your margin a lot. It takes your ROI like an, on an annual basis from like 50% to like 15 to 20%, which is still good. Yeah. But it's like, if like for a business, you really want a great ROI. So like if you, I say, if you want to do Turo, 
um, and you don't have like a ton of money, like if you're rich, like maybe buy a car and have a management company do it. But if you're, you know, if you got 10 grand and you want to start a business, like you better be ready to learn about car buying, learn how to fix cars, learn how to do things yourself. Just like how I am getting into real estate, you have to be willing to put in that work. But at the end of the day, I would say if you have like 30 or 40 grand, I would probably get into real estate over Turo just because it's the same cash flow concept, except you're have an appreciating asset versus one that goes down in value. Yeah, I would say like I would kind of echo that in this the sentiment of if I would say Turo is great for two types of people. It's great for people that have not enough money to get into real estate, kind of new to new to investing, maybe they have some money in like the stock market, but mm -hmm. otherwise haven't really dabbled in any sort of investing, owning a business, anything like that. It's a really cheap and easy way to essentially run your own company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can either buy a car or you can use your existing car and voila, you just rent it out. It's very easy to find customers. It's very easy to learn how to manage people. So I think that's, and as you're saying, you can make a really good return on your investment if you're managing it yourself. So 100%. that's one side or the other side is like you're saying, if you're rich and you have, you know, a bunch of different investments, you're kind of diversify your portfolio. You already have stocks. You already have bonds. You already have real estate. You already have a business or two. And you're just like, look, like I just want to diversify. I think Toro is another great way, but you know, I don't think you'd want to get one car per se. I'd say you'd really want to scale up and have a handful of cars. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like, it's honestly more of a headache and a risk than it's worth if you're just going to do one, one or two cars. So no, I would agree though. Now going into the real estate side, which is obviously what I'm excited about, like what made you want to get into real estate? Well, I've always kind of wanted to get into it. I just struggled like the first few years um, because being self-employed, you have to have like income on your taxes for two years to show that you're actually making money and you can get approved for loans. And I was always kind of worried about that because I think, um, so three years ago, I only made like 40 grand, like on my taxes the next year I made like 90 and then this year I did like I think about 120 or 130 or something so like that's definitely enough to start getting into real estate but yeah. like last year I might have been able to get approved the year before probably not off my income and I don't even I might have been 18 then so I, I was just turning 18 um and also um, I, I kind of delayed it for a while, but now I, I, I see a lot of rich people like I've been seeing things like bigger pockets like all the rich people at least put money in real estate, right? Cause like you yeah. see houses, like obviously like 10, 15 years ago that were worth like a hundred grand. People are selling for like 500, $550,000 now. And it's not just about like the cash flow; It's about like the appreciation of the asset. Like if you buy a house at a good deal in a good location that you think will appreciate, you rent it out, all the costs get covered by the tenant. And then over time it appreciates too. like, bro, you're going to make like hundreds of thousands of dollars over the long term. So it's just another spot to invest. I kind of like real estate more than stocks, to be honest, too, just because, dude, like it's so much easier to retire. Like a million dollars in real estate is probably way more profitable than a million dollars in stocks. Yeah. Well, and it's also just way easier to get to a million dollar portfolio because you can just leverage your money. And yeah. so you can just <laughs> double up, double up, double up, double up. Whereas with stocks, you, you have to earn a million dollars. Yeah, you can do margins, that's and, <laughs> but that's so risky compared to uh, compared to real estate. So yeah, it's just very easy to scale it and it's you can do it as fast or as slow as you want. Um, now, do you have any specific types of properties you're looking into? Yeah, um, I've been looking at a bunch of stuff. To be honest with you, I've been a little bit picky, I think. Um, but I've been looking in this one area. I really want to buy a house, 
but there's an inventory shortage, at least where I live, and there's only two houses available in this, like, area of the city I live in, and they're, both of them are, like, un- there's two houses under 400 grand, and they're not exactly houses I want to buy. Like, they're nice, they're already, like, renovated and everything, and I would like to buy something that, not, like, a shithole, but I'd like to buy something that's, like, you know, like, a little bit dated, something I can put some, like, value into to, like, actually make the property appreciate. I've been looking at duplexes, I've been looking at a bunch of stuff, but I'm, I'm probably going to get, like, a single family in a good location or a duplex and then just rent it out and not even live there, depending. I would like to get something that maybe I could live in half, but it's just hard to find something right now. So I'm kind of just trying to find something that is a good investment. And yeah. then, like, if I want to live in it, it's secondary. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think that... I mean, I'm a big sucker for house hacking. Yeah. Are you familiar with house hacking? I, I've yeah. probably told you about it a million times. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just the easiest way to you get the best rates on on your mortgage. You can put less money down to get the deal. You can get properties in better neighborhoods. You can get roommates or kind of divide the house and rent out sections, live in sections, and then you can just rinse and repeat over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's how I've got literally every single property. Is I just buy it, live in it then move out, rent it out, move into the next one uh, yeah. and just rinse and repeat. So how have you been learning about real estate? What, like, what have been kind of your resources? I know you mentioned bigger pockets, anything else that you're doing to kind of sharpen the tool chest? I've, I've been doing that. Um, my dad has a friend who owns like literally like millions of dollars, like Scott, you know, the guy who invested oh, in Scott, I was going to ask. Him yeah. He owns that. like a few million dollars worth of real estate. Like he has strip malls. He has like a few houses. Like I think he has an apartment building, like a bunch of stuff. And he started like literally like it's funny. He's like my dad's age, but he started doing real estate like 10 years ago. So in 10 years, he went from that to where he is now. So he definitely knows a lot. He definitely plays it risky, though. So like what he'll do is he'll put like 25 percent down and then he'll cash out refinance, take all of his money out and buy another one and then another one and then another one. And um, so like I'm definitely going to use him as my real estate agent. Um, And he's like still been buying properties like even in this market that are like good deals. So like, obviously like I'm sure he's going to help a lot. He gave me advice too, that I shouldn't focus on like, cause I was at first I was like looking at like maybe getting into like section eight, stuff like that. I might still do that eventually, but he's like, honestly, like buy properties that are nice. Cause like you would, you'll regret it eventually. Like, cause like those small properties that just like long term, like as you make more money are just not worth your time I, over, over a period. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Like, like I, I know some people kill it with Section 8, and it's a lot easier to get the properties with Section 8, but the houses just get just destroyed. And also, you got to think about it like the way that at least I invest, and it's not like I come from some rich family, so I've I've lived in pretty grody situations. But my philosophy is always if I'd be willing to live there, and if I had a daughter— if I would be okay with her being at the house alone while I go out to dinner or something like that— then I'd buy the house or I would mm. at least entertain investing it. And let's be real. There's some places where it's just like, I don't feel comfortable having, you know, me and my fiance there alone, let alone if I had a daughter. So that's kind of yeah. been my, my philosophy. Cause yeah, it's just going to be, yes, you're not going to cash flow as much. Like uh, always the cheaper the house is the more just yeah. run down it is. You're going to be able to cash flow more. So every month you'll be able to make more money. But in the long run, yeah, cool. You're making an extra two hundred dollars a month, but in the long run, those houses don't appreciate yeah. even close to as much as a house that's in a good part of town, um, good neighborhood. So I'm a big fan of buying the the worst house in the block. That's always yeah. been my philosophy with real estate. 
I'm definitely focusing on location. Like, there's a lot of cheap real estate I could buy in the area I live in, but, like, they're just not in great areas. They're in areas that are so bad, there's actually a book written called Eviction about tenants in Milwaukee, Wisconsin that just, like, never paid, destroyed houses, like, burned down houses, like, whole blocks, like, Detroit, basically. Like, there's literally books about terrible tenants in this area, so, like, I'm making sure that I'm going to buy in, like, a maybe even like outside the city if i have to that's like in a decent area cuz that's that's important to me yeah no i yeah. would agree 100% and it's not especially in your situation it's not the worst to get a place that's whatever 20 minutes 30 minutes outside of the city cuz it's yeah. not like it's that I big like, of a city and you can just yeah I don't exactly. Know. That's, that's I, I like I living like being able to walk places, but obviously, like honestly, worst case, I could just rent it out. The only thing I couldn't do an FHA loan if I rent it out. I think you have to live in it for a year if you're going to do that, which wouldn't be bad. I could do it for a year. Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, technically, you, you know, FHAs are more um, strict than a conventional. So yeah. if you buy if you buy with a conventional, you're it's basically just all about your intentions. Like if you intend to move into the place and then. Mm-hmm. three months after you bought it, you're like, you know, situation changed. I don't like the neighborhood or, you know, I got to go back into the city for my job or whatever the case is. You can pretty oh, nice. easily get out of it. Um, however, yeah, if it's FHA, they do like home inspections and they come by and make sure everything's up and up. I, and yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot more annoying with FHA. I actually take that back. I got approved for a conventional loan. Cause, um, I was talking to the, um, whoever approves you, I forgot who they're called again. Mortgage banker. Is that it? Yeah, mortgage, mortgage officer, a lender. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were, they were telling me um, the rate would actually be lower for me if I do a conventional loan. So that's what I decided to do. That's what yeah. I'm doing. And yeah. I would say, like, unless you are, so really the only reason, in my opinion, to do an FHA, like, and you'll learn all this. And and mm-hmm. I'm not even, I don't consider myself an expert in any of this stuff. But you have your real estate license. I do. Yes, yeah, so maybe I should consider myself an expert. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the the nice part about conventional is that you get a lower rate. It's way easier to get closed on the mortgage because uh, with a convention or with an FHA loan, they'll do inspections before you're going to close to make sure the house doesn't have any issues with you know any sort of hazardous material and make mm-hmm. sure that everything's up to code in the property. So it can be very difficult to close on those. Also, for a seller, you got to think about it, like back when you're selling a car, if somebody's like, "Hey, I'll just pay cash for it," or "Hey, I'm going to do a loan." It's kind of the same thing with a conventional yeah. loan versus an FHA. Like, yeah, they're both loans, but they're not made they're not made equally. So FHA are a little bit more finicky when it comes to closing on the property. However, the only benefits of the FHA, which probably won't matter for you, would be you can put less money down. So instead of with a conventional, typically you have to put five percent down. FHA, you can only you only need to put down three and a half percent, which oh, that's is, not a big difference at all. That's what I'm saying. It's not a big difference uh, for some people. It is, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not that big that's of a difference. Not much. Um, yeah. If you can't, not to sound <laughs> incentive, but if you can't afford five percent, then you probably shouldn't get a house. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, so that would be one thing. The other thing, though, the only reason that you would do FHA is uh, typically. With a conventional loan, you can't buy multifamily. So mm. in some situations you can, but typically, like if you're going to get like duplex, triplex, quadplex, you can't do that with a conventional loan. Typically, you have to do an FHA loan. So that would really be the only reason. Like I almost got an FHA loan for a duplex I was going to buy, and then it fell through. But that was the only reason I was going to go FHA was just 
I wouldn't have been able to do it with the uh, with a conventional loan. But oh, nice. Um, how'd you find your? Uh, so you're using Scott as the real estate agent. It sounds like. Yeah. How'd you find your mortgage officer or your like uh, um, your loan officer? To be honest, I just filled out some shit on the internet, which I completely regret. I get like 40 phone calls the next couple of days, and I'm like, I literally didn't have the patience to answer any any single one of them because they all called me when I didn't want to talk to them, and then I would just get massive amounts of phone calls to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> terrible decision. But um, eventually Scott, like um, I was kind of talking, my dad was talking to Scott that I was looking at buying houses. He's like, I have a guy, ask for this dude at this place. He gets you the best rate. Like he's literally better than anyone. So I just used that person. And that guy was pretty easy to deal with. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you want to hear a crazy stat, it's, I'm going to fuck up the stats, so just roast me. All five of you that listen, roast me in the comments. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you shop your mortgage rate more than three times, you will pay, on average, about 5% less than someone that doesn't shop it. Yeah. So like a lot of people just like call the first mortgage officer that their realtor tells them to or that you know their neighbor tells them to call, and then they'll just go with them blindly. And if you don't shop them, then you'll typically on average pay about 5% more, which doesn't sound like a lot a until you lot. take a, a $400,000 property. And also it's crazy because you pay 400,000 or the house is 400,000 and then you end up paying like 800,000 when it's all said and done. So like 5% is kind of a crap load. So I would highly yeah. recommend shopping around. So if you need some good officers, I got a few that could, uh, I could hook you up with if you want them. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm going to probably shop it around a bit more. I'm, I'm definitely like, I'm finally in the spot where I'm pretty much like fully set to buy the house. Like now that yeah. the cars are sold, the money's in the bank, like we're pretty much ready to go. So that's, that's exciting. I'm also going to probably get a pretty good tax write off from buying the house, I think. Right. Yeah. Isn't oh there, yeah. 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 Well, you'll get a, a good tax write off in the sense that your, uh, interest. So the interest that you pay in your PMI, um, and maybe your insurance, I can't remember, but mm -hmm. you'll be able to write all that off on your taxes. So yeah, do the first, I mean, actually every year, cause every year I just end up buying another house. So like, yeah, you, you get a pretty fat, uh, return like this year. I thought I was going to pay, I thought I was going to owe a bunch of money. And I think I ended up getting like, I don't know, like 15, $20,000 back on my taxes just from like writing off crap around real estate. So yeah, no, you can get a very nice return from, uh, from the, the interest in PMI. All right, cool. Well, let's change the subject because you have kind of something I don't really understand why you're even doing it, but you're doing a completely free e-commerce slash drop shipping course for people. Can you explain what the heck you're doing and why you're just giving away <laughs> all of the drop shipping? It sounds like a lot of freaking work just to give it away for free. So um, we, I don't know if you know this, but probably about two months ago, we started a Discord server. Um, for people to join to learn how to make money and we got a lot of people saying in there that they're broke They don't know how to make money. They have literally no idea and they don't really have a lot of money to like get started So we're like screw it. We're gonna make something completely free My friend Ethan put a, put together a bunch of course videos I made a few videos as well, but mostly him because he at 18 years old made over a hundred thousand dollars drop shipping Jeez. on a YouTube shorts channel so he literally scaled that up like throughout all of last year made a bunch of money on it and he's still doing like drop shipping on like other channels as well. Um, and basically we decided to do a completely free course. He put together videos on how he creates his stores, how he creates ads, how he runs ads, how he finds viral products, literally his A to Z guide on how he does everything completely free. 
and we're doing a 100-day Shopify dropshipping challenge. So you can enter. You have to create a brand new store using our link so we can like track it and everything. And we're basically going to be giving away $20,000 to winners. So the winner, whoever gets the most sales in 100 days, is getting 10K. And then we're going to give away like the other 10K to people we choose throughout the challenge. Some of them are going to be random. Some of them are going to be people we find that are dedicated and actually trying. And dude, it's it's sick. And if you guys are wondering like how the heck this is all covered, we ended up getting some sponsors to cover the the funds for the giveaway money. So we have Viral Ecom Ads, which is like an ad creation software. We have Zendrop, which is um, another sponsor we're using. And then we have Mania, which is like a product research tool, um, a really good extension. Like a lot of dropshipping people use them. These are three products you definitely use on your dropshipping store. And then the fourth sponsor, it's more of an affiliate sponsor is Shopify because that's what you're going to use to create the e-commerce store. And they're allowing us to literally host a free challenge and give away $20,000 to people. So that's very exciting. I'm, I'm hyped. It's going to be a fun, fun thing because I'm going to make YouTube videos about it. And I hope it gives people like an excuse to actually like do something this summer because there's a lot of like teenagers or like young adults who watch me that they're always like, I want to start a business, but like they delay it too much. But like this hundred day challenge, like, dude, you have a great chance of like making some kind of money. You have great guidance from people who are killing it. Um, mostly my friend Ethan in the dropshipping sense. And um, I'm excited, dude. It should, it's launching in two weeks. I'm pretty hyped. Dude, that's sick. That's sick. Yeah. We'll make sure that this drops like right when it comes out so that everybody can, uh, everybody can get hyped about it. Dude, that's awesome. And I, dude, I couldn't agree more that, the most important thing when it comes to really anything business related is just doing it. <laughs> like yeah. so many people take so much time and so much effort, you know, running the numbers, analyzing the deal, trying to get all their ducks in a row, trying to get everything to look perfect. Like, no, just, just freaking do it. So yeah, if, if, if nothing else, use Will's little, little contest to just do it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Because, like, people always care about legality, too. It's like, dude, don't worry about getting legal until you have the money. Like, in my opinion, like, don't form an LLC for a company that hasn't made a dollar yet. Like, make money. If you're making money, then make make it legal after. Like, I don't know. That's kind of how I've always been. Yeah, and, well, and especially if – because, I mean, I'd assume your demographic of people that are watching, especially when it comes to this – are probably younger people. Like yeah. I'm sure there's some older people, but most of them are younger. Guess when you can take the most risks and guess when you have nothing to lose is when you're young. Like I remember when I was younger, I used to be stressing about like, oh, I need to set up an LLC. I need to do this, that, and the other because my dad's like just the yeah. ultimate planner and it's just like, what about this, Chris? What about that? Do you have insurance for this? Do you have that? I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to – somebody's going to like come after me. And it's like no one's going to come after some – 18 19 year old kid that has no literally no money there's really no risk at all especially with drop shipping you never even hold the product like exactly it's Dude. it's insane actually like, that's probably a good a good thing can you explain to the audience what even is drop shipping we probably should have started there yeah for sure so drop shipping like to make it clear this challenge is like it doesn't have to be drop shipping like you can sell whatever you want it just has to be on a shopify store it's like an e-commerce challenge so you could sell whatever but drop shipping is pretty much the business model that most people do e-commerce wise like major companies use this technique but pretty much what you're doing is you find a supplier to create your product you can do that by going to alibaba aliexpress those are popular ones and you could find a product you like. There's a bunch of suppliers selling these items. And they basically will produce it and ship it to your customer 
without you having to do anything. You just have to buy the product from the website, enter the customer's information. There's automation tools that literally I mentioned, like like um, Mania is an automation tool that's sponsoring that will automatically put in the customer's information for the order and ship it to their doorstep without you touching the product, seeing the product, holding the product. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is market the product, create a website, brand it, and then have your supplier ship it directly to them. And the difference between the cost and marketing cost and what you sell it for is profit. Yeah, it's it's sick. It's you know, sick. what's the what's the biggest win you've ever had when it comes to drop shipping? Have you? Ha- I mean, I know you're you're one of your latest videos. You were selling that carpet thing, but have you had any other good like drop shipping wins or any other times trying to get into drop shipping or just yeah. e-commerce sales in general? I've had I've had a decent share of experiences. Like I've definitely not had nearly as much success as like Ethan has because I also haven't put in like as much effort as he has. But we've done a few stores that have done well. Like I sold the fake AirPods Max headphones. That product's a winner. But the issue is because of copyright and Apple being on my ass, like the store and like stuff kept getting taken down. So we were making like I think at the peak we hit like 500 plus dollars in one day in sales so like we were making a few hundred bucks on that but like it got taken down pretty quick because of because the product was copyright um back in the day like years and years ago i had a survival instagram page and i sold a survival product to the people who followed that page so i bought a page with like fifty thousand followers i posted on it and i would promote to the followers like a whole like website selling survival tools on a shopify store and like they're pretty high ticket. They're like 50, 60 bucks average purchase. So like that store did it was it wasn't nearly as explosive because I wasn't running paid ads, but it was all profit since I didn't spend anything on marketing. I was the marketing, so it ended up making decent money um, over over a period of time. Um, dude, I've done I've done so many stores. Like recently with the carpet thing, that product's more of a gimmick. Like that will work, but the best products solve a genuine issue, like yeah. like a problem. You know, something that solves a problem. Wait, so with your buddy Ethan, what what kind of store did he build or scale up that ended up making him $100,000? Because that's kind of insane to be a teenager yeah. making $100,000 off of a e-commerce website. Dude, yeah, in one year, it did $120,000 in sales. So, But profit Jeez. margins were like 70%. Like he ups, he, he upmarked that thing so fat. But he that's basically sick. has a – he. I don't think he, he openly says the channel name, but he has a, he has a shorts channel that's in the Airsoft niche. And it has, oh. a, it's about to hit a million subscribers. So he makes YouTube shorts, um, testing out airsoft guns and he sells airsoft, um, guns or like mini airsoft things on his website. And he puts it in the pinned comment of every single one of his shorts. And this page, like this shorts page is getting like 500,000 views every day. Like it's insane. So like, dude, and he does this little deal where it's free plus shipping. Cause he has a cheap product. Like some of his product, it's called like a mini Glock. It's like a mini gun. Yeah, and um, he'll like do a promotion where it's products free. You just have to pay for shipping, which is like ten bucks, and it costs him like four bucks for it. So he'll just bank on those. But he also has like more expensive, high ticket products. He even has a store selling lightsabers. He has a store selling like katanas. So like weird like stuff like that that he makes shorts with. Yep, yep, dude. The free plus shipping is like, yeah, just age old trick that works so well. It's insane. Yeah, like in December on that store. That store, like the Airsoft store is slowed down a bit, um, but he has other stores he does still. But the Airsoft store he was doing in December did like over 10000 I think it might have been like $15,000 in sales just off that. 
Dude, that's sick. Dude, yeah, because in dropshipping, yeah, I don't think people understand how quickly it can it can get very lucrative. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. take a rocket scientist to to have a big win with oh, any yeah. sort of like either dropshipping or e-commerce. So, like for me, for example, do you know what uh, elevation masks are? I don't think so. Do they help with like oxygen as you get higher? Or no? so it kind of looks like Bane from Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to actually does the opposite. It restricts mm-hmm. your breathing. So it makes it feel like you're running or working out in high elevation. And so you look like Bane. Anyways, they were big like maybe five, ten years ago. It was Everybody was wearing them. So you'd go for runs and you go work out and you have this, this elevation mask looking thing. Anyways, they were at the time being sold for about $85 of masks. And I found them on Alibaba for $10 a mask. Damn. So, yeah. And so I listed it at the time. I had a pretty, uh, successful eBay store with, you know, a bunch of reviews, a bunch of positive reviews, all that fun stuff. And so I listed the masks on my eBay store for $65 a mask. All right. And in 12 hours, I sold 35 masks. All right. So in 12 hours, I made $2,275 in revenue or profit wise, I made almost $2,000. I made 1950 in 12 hours. And that's just straight profit. Now, I mean, of course, at the time I was working like my first job ever out of school where I was making, dude, I was making no money. I was making like $25,000 a year. So I'm sitting there and I'm like running the numbers like, holy shit, dude. Like if, if I keep this up, I'm going to make over $700,000 like <laughs> this year. Like I, I'm, I'm rich. Like I just did it. I cracked the code until I got a cease and desist letter from the, <laughs> the owner of elevation mask. Yeah, dude, they came after me. They ended up banning my eBay account. Uh, and then they were like, dude, they were harassing me. They were, dude, they had their lawyers reaching out to me. I was only open or selling these for 12 hours. So yeah, anyways, all got shut down. I ended up shipping off the, the mask to people like doing the drop shipping. Um, however, I ended up only being able to send out like half of them because half the people end up like canceling their order because I was shipping from Alibaba, which takes like a month for shipping and handling. <laughs> you were drop shipping uh, them. Yeah, it would have worked better if you had them in in house and stuff. Oh, which dude, you it, eventually done. Yeah. In in hindsight, I should have ordered like three hundred of them, and then I should have just sold them on eBay once they came in. But yeah, dude. But hey, I. All in all, I ended up making about a thousand dollars in profit for like twelve hours of work. Now it was kind of a pain in the butt to deal with like eBay yeah. and the CEO of elevation masks, but it does like just show you the power of Dude. just the e-commerce and drop shipping. I know a lot of people who like really kill it in drop shipping. And like a lot of times they'll just do drop shipping to test the product. Like, is this product going to sell? Like, am I going to market it right? They do it for like a month, give it a real honest try. And then once they see success, they just order it in bulk and they send it to a fulfillment center and then they just start doing it themselves because they have faster shipping times, like more quality control, stuff like that. So I think a lot of people see like drop shipping or affiliate marketing as just like a way to make money, but you have to think of it in the way of the customer, right? So you have to find creative ways for it to actually work, like sell a product that people actually want market it in a cool way and like be patient. Like I think a lot of people will just think they can get rich selling a phone case like on the internet or like some BS product. It needs to be good. Like that's important. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. I would also recommend if, if people haven't read it, I I think I actually already did a book review on it on, on my podcast, but the four hour work week talks about how to make 
a extremely successful e-commerce business and they talk about how to automate the whole process, how to figure out what product to sell, how to price it. Cause yeah, you want to be, you want to build a essentially like a luxury brand around your product so yeah. that people are overspending for it. Cause if you're trying to compete on margins, which is what I was always doing and with my elevation mask business, all I was doing was just competing on the price. You're never going to be able to beat somebody that just has fat like your dude like your buddy 70 percent profit margins like he is so much wiggle room when it comes to yeah. ads and and suppliers and all that fun stuff it's because so, he built yeah. a brand around the product and people know hey this youtuber is selling these and they want to buy from him because they watch his videos yep, so, yeah 100 and it's 100%. a faceless channel like he doesn't even show his face like people it's funny he has a personal channel and he has like all these shorts channels no one knows who he is. He just makes racks selling stuff on the internet. Yeah, that's <laughs> sick. I, I did the yeah. same thing with, uh, I had like a BMX ride guide, snowboard ride guide. Like I had all these like extreme sports pages where I would do like tutorial videos, but it wasn't me. It was just like yeah. you're saying, it was a faceless channel. But how many views are you getting like on a monthly basis on your YouTube channel? So in the last 28 days on my channel, I got a total of 573,000 views. Every 48 hours, I'm getting... 80, or I'm getting 2,225 views every hour. Jeez. Every 48 hours, 82,370. These are pretty fat numbers right now. And if, and if you're curious what that translates to in terms of money, I would say AdSense-wise, around 200 bucks a day. Two to $300 a day. Dang, so not bad. off of I'll a take... YouTube channel. That's yeah. crazy. How long did it take you to make your first dollar on YouTube? Two years two years to make your first dollar how many videos were you posting um before a lot you actually. got like how how frequently i should ask how how frequently were you posting before you so made the, your first dollar the longest break i ever took from youtube is three weeks which i did that like like maybe in the last year like that's been more recent i was way more consistent when i first started because obviously the videos weren't as good um that was me posting two times a week on average so i probably posted about 150 videos or so before I saw any success. So one to two videos every week. And I even had a month where I uploaded daily on YouTube. Jeez, daily. That's insane. Now, how much money do you make off of your other social medias? Like, do you make any money off of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook? TikTok, I don't do Facebook right now. I should definitely get into it. I've heard a lot of people making money on that. Um, TikTok, I make probably around a hundred bucks a month, but I get the occasional like sponsor and stuff. So like, I'll get like a sponsor, which is like usually like 2000 each time. So I would say TikTok averages out to like 22 or TikTok averages out to like 2500 bucks a month. Um I do Snapchat which that Wait, does 2, really well. 2500 bucks a month? Oh, including with, with sponsors. including sponsors. Got it. Got yeah, it, like it. I usually get one on average every month on TikTok. Instagram, I don't make any money. They have like a fund where you can make like a little bit of money, but I haven't um joined it. So I'm at zero for Instagram and then Snapchat. You've probably heard a lot of people talk about this, but I have a Snapchat show which is literally reposts of my YouTube videos. And personally, I take uh, probably around like average of like 2,000 to 3,000 bucks a month off that. Dang, off of Snapchat. Dude, Snapchat ad rates are even higher than YouTube, which is so weird. I don't know how. That's insane. Wait, and so yeah. in order to get like affiliate marketing, or not even affiliate marketing, in order to get sponsorships where they're paying you literally thousands of dollars for a post or for a video, how many followers, subscribers, or views did you have to get before anyone ever offered you a sponsorship deal? 
I think I had 20,000 subscribers on YouTube when I got my first like actual sponsor. I probably did some like affiliate and stuff before that. Um, but like the actual like we'll pay you this much and you do a video. I was probably getting like five to 10,000 views a video at that time. And the first sponsor I ever got paid me 500 bucks. Really? Who was it? Um, it was a survey website called freecash.com. It's like a survey website. And it's funny because that same company continued working with me. And I think the most they ever gave me for a video was $5,000. $5,000 for a video? How long did it take you to make that video that they paid you $5,000 for? Uh, like four days, maybe. Okay. I mean, that, that's a real yeah, day's worth of work. That's a real day's worth of work. It was like a 20-minute minute, pretty – it was a 20-minute video – it took a long time, but dude, it was, it was that, that was well worth it. And I spent like a thousand in the video. Like I, I, I spent a lot of money on that video. So like a lot of times when I get sponsored money, it just allows me to like reinvest and make cooler videos and stuff. Dope. Um, yeah. cool. Well, dude, I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Anything you want to shout out or any, where can people find you? Well, yeah, check me out on YouTube. And again, check out that Shopify challenge. Cause it's literally free. And you can win up to $20,000 in cash. The winner's getting 10, and we're giving away money every week. So make sure you guys join. That'll be fun. Dude, that's awesome. I cannot wait. The Financial Wolf, everybody. I appreciate you coming on, sir. Yep. Peace. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chris's Secret Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It would mean a lot to me if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at Chris's Secret Podcast or follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify at Chris's Secret Podcast once again or follow me on Instagram. It's just at Chris Arslan. And remember, if you want to get involved with the show, reach out to us and ask us a question and you might be featured here on the show during what is my favorite part of the show, the mailbag. So if you want to get involved, it's very easy to ask me a question. Just slide into my DMs on Instagram. Once again, that is at Chris Arslan. Or leave us a comment on YouTube on our latest YouTube video. Or leave us a review on Apple Podcast and ask us a question in the review. Remember, five stars only, please. And until next time, figure out some ways to make some passive income so I can see you out on the slopes or on the pickleball courts. So until next time. Peace.